there's a better way to answer on-farm questions with AgVisor Pro. Farmers are able to get answers now, not later, from an independent network of some of the best professionals in agriculture. Spend less time searching for those answers. Ask your question on the AgVisor Pro app and move faster and more confidently in your decision-making. Available on iOS and Android, head to the link in the show notes to download the AgVisor Pro app today. Hi, I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work, full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today you'll hear from Arlene Hunter. Arlene and her husband Hugh own and operate Maple Ain Farms near Smith Falls, Ontario. A sixth-generation family farm, Maple Ain is home to their herd of purebred Holsteins and one Jersey. They also grow corn, soybeans, and hay and are raising four children on the farm. Today, we talk about the ups and downs and transitions of parenting on the farm with Arlene. And speaking of parenting, in 2021, Arlene was approached by her friend Katie Palmer with the idea for their podcast, the Barnyard Language Podcast. Their goal was to create a show and an online community for farming, ranching, and homesteading parents. Being a parent is hard, but raising kids on the land brings unique challenges and opportunities that other families don't face. I am so excited for you to get to know Arlene more and hear more about their farm and learn more about the Barnyard Language Podcast. Before we get to Arlene's interview, Let's go over this week's listener review. This week's review comes from my friend Katrina Edge, and it was actually left over on the Rural Woman Podcast Facebook page. And the review says, one of my favorite podcasts, so many different women and different experiences. Caitlin does an awesome job. Well, thank you so much, my friend. And for those of you who don't have an Apple product to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, I encourage you to leave reviews wherever you can leave one, whether that is on Google, Facebook, all of the places. And be sure if you are not following the Rural Woman Podcast over on Facebook, you click the follow button over there. I also wanted to give a quick and warm welcome to our newest patron, Christy V over on Patreon. Your financial support helps ensure the stories of women in agriculture 
reach those earbuds of yours. So thank you so much to Christy and all of the other amazing patrons of the Rural Woman podcast. And if you want to learn more about how you can become a patron through Patreon, click the link in today's show notes and it will give you all of the goodness, all of the info that you need to know. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with my friend Arlene. Arlene, welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. It's nice to see you over the uh, over the Zoom and over hear your voice Zoom. in real real life, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> kind of all in real life. Yeah. It's nice to see you as well over the Zoom. For the listeners who are unfamiliar with you, Arlene, tell us more about yourself and how you got your start in agriculture. So my name is Arlene and I live in Eastern Ontario, Canada. And I was one of those kids who started off by being born on the farm. So that's an easy start because you don't have any choice. So I grew up on a dairy farm. My dad farmed with his two brothers. And then as we kids got older, my mom got involved in the farm as well. And then us as we grew up. So yeah, we were on a dairy farm quite close to the city of Ottawa. And then... As I grew up, I was also one of those kids who said I would never marry a farmer. I was not interested in that life, and especially a dairy farmer, because as you know, they have to work all the time. So I went away to university, and I don't think I was trying all that hard to get away from farmers, because I went to the one university in Ontario where all the Aggies are. I didn't take an agriculture degree. I took my degree in geography, but of course I met a farmer and a dairy farmer at that. And so we ended up dating and getting married. So we ended up actually not that far from where I grew up. I'm under an hour's drive from the farm where I grew up, but now we're on my husband's family farm where his family's been. I always mess this up. I'm pretty sure he's sixth generation. So that makes our kids seventh. So his family's been here for a very long time. And now myself and our kids are part of this farming family. I always love speaking to people who grow up in a certain way and then decide I will never, you know, marry, get into the business, never do any of those things. And then somehow, some way that doesn't end up working out for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The things that were annoying as a kid, you realize as an adult, oh, that wasn't so bad. And all the things that you don't appreciate as part of the lifestyle, yeah, they, they come back around. Yeah, so, for sure. Know. Well, and for myself, I, I just think of the life that I had before meeting my husband and coming to this farm and thinking of what my lifestyle, you know, in theory was going to look like. And it's completely different than what I envisioned when I was growing up. But tell us more about your dairy farm that you originally grew up on. What uh, what were some of your favorite memories that you have from growing up on your home dairy farm? So like I said, my dad farmed with his two brothers. And so we had actually three separate sites where cows were. So where I grew up was where the the milking parlor was where the milking happened. Uh, one of my uncle's places is where the cows would calve and where the, the calf raising happened. And then my other uncle was where the, uh, they raised heifers, so those like not having calved animals yet. So I used to love going with my dad in a setup like that. There's a lot of trucking that gets 
that <laughs> has to happen. So I loved uh, going along with my dad in the, in the cattle truck, whether we were going to the sale barn or between between the three farms and moving moving animals around and usually stopping for ice cream, depending how far we had to travel in a day or some of the animals that go, go out in the pasture in the spring to get to, to do those trips with dad. I remember being with my sisters and, you know, it was an old old cattle truck that uh, only really had, well, probably should have had two seatbelts, but didn't really have any anymore. So it was a big thrill as a kid to be able to just kind of like jump in and feel like you were living recklessly. And that also meant because it was a family farm that there were lots of cousins around. So, you know, I lived quite close to lots of my cousins. And so that meant extra playtime. And I know that one of my favorite things and my mom's least favorite things is we used to have a they do a bulk drop off of those fresh shavings in the the old barn and there'd be a big pile of them and we could jump off the rafters into the shavings and I'm not sure how we thought that she wasn't going to find out but we always thought that she wouldn't know that we've been playing in the shavings but of course you'd have to like take your clothes off outside because it would get everywhere but yeah just jumping from the rafters into that fresh shavings pile is a, is definitely both smell and the the excitement of it is a one of my favorite childhood memories. Right. I love hearing about people's favorite childhood memories on the farm because there's so much joy that comes out of your voice when those happen. And it's funny to think, like you said, you know, as an adult now, you look back on all of the really good memories and maybe the memories as a child that seemed tougher or like, oh, I would never want to do this for my whole life, maybe don't seem as bad now because of all of the good things that came out of it. So yeah, take, exactly. us, take us back to, uh, you've, you obviously went to the University of Guelph and did not take agriculture, but ended up back on a farm. So take us back through that journey of, you know, after you've graduated university, you've met your husband, you're getting married and somehow, some way, you're going back to the farm. What was that like for you? Right. So when we first got married and I moved out here, we're in Smith Falls, Ontario. So we're kind of on the, the borderline of commuting distance to Ottawa. So at that time, I had a job in the city. So I was driving an hour, maybe sometimes more, into, into my work. And I was doing shift work. I was working in, in tech, but in the geography map making field. So... I was living in this community. I was technically on the farm where we were on a, on a house near the farm at that time. But I wasn't really spending a whole lot of time here where we actually lived because I was driving two hours a day. And then, you know, my shift at work or, you know, especially evening shifts, I'd kind of wake up, have breakfast and then, you know, chill out in the house by myself for a while, but then drive into the city and be coming home at midnight or one, two in the morning. So I feel like those first few years, I really wasn't, you know, other than maybe during show season or on weekends, I might help help out, but I wasn't really an active participant in the farm. I mean, in decision-making I was, and in terms of our transition plan, my, my husband's parents were very generous and transparent right from the beginning, and my husband and I started taking over some ownership in those early days, but I really wouldn't have ever considered myself a farmer in those early years. So it felt like I was a bit removed from kind of what was going on day to day. Right. So what made 
you switch to being a more active member and being on the farm more. Take us through that part of your journey. So when we were pregnant with our first, we had decided that I was going to take my mat leave. So in Canada, that's a, a year. And we, at that point, were pretty sure I wasn't going to go back to work when my mat leave was up because both of the, the commute and, you know, I didn't figure my husband, if he, if we weren't seeing that much of each other, I knew that commuting into the city and dropping her off at daycare on the way in and picking her up on the way out meant that he would hardly see her either. So after my first mat leave, so that would have been in uh, 2006, I was staying home full time. We still weren't physically living on the farm, but, you know, especially with a baby and Canadian winters, a, a dairy farm is not the worst place to hang out. It's uh, warmer than outside and we had a barn stroller. And so we would go over lots of days and walk around the barn or she would go and see the calves and all that kind of stuff. But I was, I would say I was a full-time parent for many years and still kind of not, not really farming. We had... We have four kids now, and so that was over a series of, of several years. <laughs> they weren't super close together. Right now, we've got 17, 15, 12, and 8. Some of them just had birthdays, so that's why I'm pausing. So for most of those years, I was uh, early years, I was a stay-at-home parent. So I was also learning how to be part of this community. So while I wasn't farming that part where I said I, I really wasn't spending much time here, that really came out once I had kids because I was like, okay, I know my in-laws and I know my immediate neighbors, but I don't know anybody else here because I really wasn't spending a whole lot of time in my community. I wasn't volunteering. I didn't have a lot of extracurricular activities because of the shift work. So we were going to play group and we were going to the library. And so I spent a lot of, a lot of time raising those little people and then I would say it's probably about four years ago now as the kids were getting older and our labor force was shifting a little bit here on the farm. My, my husband's dad is still working with us, but he was scaling back a bit and we had moved to the farmhouse. So my husband's grandmother, who thankfully is still with us at 98 years old, but she had decided to move into town. So she was moving to a retirement home. And so we had the opportunity to move into the family farmhouse that was built by my husband's great, great, great grandfather. I think this, the stone house here on the farm. So we did a big renovation, you know, the kind where you add things like ductwork and, um, modern plumbing because <laughs> when you have a house that's been continually occupied for very many years sometimes the uh, the things that uh, that happen in a, in a house are you know somewhat patched together so we did a big renovation and didn't have to live in the house at the same time which was great and then so both having older kids and living on site meant that there were opportunities for me now that I didn't have before to help out more so now in the mornings when the kids are still asleep. Um, my husband and I get up early as dairy farmers do and we go out and milk the cows together and most mornings by the time I'm done my milking and morning chores the kids are maybe awake. The high school kids have to go to school fairly early so I sometimes see them before they head out and then I still have time to get the the younger two on the bus and get them off for their their day. So it's kind of come with time and geography and the yeah the types of of changes that happen on the farm but we've we do have 
help here as well. We've got paid help, so it's not always it's not just on my husband and I, which is it's just a huge benefit for us. We've we really depend on our our staff as well. So they're a big part of this farm too. I think it's so it's so great to hear the stories and the similarities from the story that you're describing now to the story that you described earlier about your own mom and raising her children and raising her kids and being an active farmer on the farm. And I know for a lot, specifically of women, when I think of parenting and when I think of farming, I think a lot of women don't consider themselves to be a farmer. They consider themselves to be a just stay-at-home mom or just a farm wife. And I enunciate just because they always put the just in front of their title. Arlene, would you consider yourself to be a farmer now? I would consider myself now for sure. Good, yeah. Good answer. I f- That's the right yeah. answer. <laughs> I f- yeah. I feel like, you know, before I wasn't because, you know, the kids were little and we were in a position and I know lots of people aren't. So I should say, you know, put a disclaimer in there that we were in a place where we didn't have to take our kids to the barn every day. And I know there's lots of people that do that for a variety of reasons. And I think that is admirable and super impressive, but that wasn't the position we were in. And I think too, because I wasn't farming full-time before we had kids, it was a little easier to make that transition, to still have that separation where it was like my husband was the farmer and I'd had a job before. And so yeah, that that becoming a farmer part has been more of a transition for me. Whereas I think if I'd been farming full-time and then we had kids, you know, then you work them into your life, right? Because then I would have been an integral part of the daily workforce. But at that point, when we started having children, I wasn't. So right. yeah, I am now. Yeah. Which is good. We're happy you're here. (laughs) And honestly, for anyone who decides whatever title it is for them, that's for them to decide, right? And that's what I've been saying for a really long time and really want women to be able to make that own choice for them. So if you do call yourself X, Y, or Z, that's for you to decide. I know there's a lot of people who are just intimidated by the fact that they can't call themselves a farmer because of whatever barriers they think there is. Typically, I think those barriers are in our heads versus anything that is factual on paper. There's no definition of what a farmer actually is because it's so diverse, you know, between dairy or grain or, you know, if you were uh, raising vegetables or whatever it is, right? There's so many different avenues in this industry. And I think that's what makes it exciting. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, there's so much I don't know but that's okay too, right? You know, we have experts, you know, like our veterinarian and our nutritionist and our crop advisor and all those people are here to help us. So, so being a farmer doesn't mean that you have to, you have to know all the answers either, right? There's, there's lots of people out there who can support us in this and we can be experts in our fields, but we can also take the advice from experts who know more than we do. Absolutely. And knowing that those experts are there to help you and asking them the questions that you're curious about or the things that you don't know. And I don't know, I think a lot of times people can feel intimidated because they don't know the answers to these questions. And I think like that's that's almost a gift that you don't know the answer and you 
have the opportunity to ask an expert. Like there's a lot of people that don't have that access to ask an expert or whatever. And, you know, I always think there's something special about figuring it out. But knowing that I have an expert one phone call away that can tell me what I need to do or give me the information that I need in this day and age, making me sound like a really old person. I think of like the people like, for instance, your husband's grandmother or my husband's grandmother in their late 90s, all of the changes that they've gone through specifically as women in agriculture and what their roles were, how they helped and all of the things. And when I think of how much has changed since then, I just, I can't even imagine that much change in, you know, the last 90 plus years. Yeah, exactly. We talk about it all the time, how much harder just the day-to-day chores that we do would have been for them. I mean, at that time, you know, when she was, she came here to this farm to work with her husband, they had to go and break the ice in the creek every day so the cows could drink like all winter long. You know, we just get to walk in the barn and the cows have their water bowls <laughs> and fingers crossed most of the time in the winter, they're they're not frozen, right? So just the everyday stuff, you know, stocking fires and, you know, cooking food, everything would have been so much harder. So yeah, that and even just the, that aspect of having the information at our fingertips all the time. Yeah, we can call an expert. We can also ask Google and might not always be the answer that we're going to use, but we get some ideas, right? Where they had to do so much more, just, yeah, figure it out and see. <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. So your children are are growing, they're getting older. So what does that mean for you and what your role ideally will look like on the farm moving forward? So I guess it's been a transition as all things are as they get older. I mean, one of the things with older kids is they can start to take on some jobs too, which is pretty, pretty great, especially if they're interested. My daughter in particular is cow crazy. So she, she milks a few days a week and she's looking to go into agriculture at university next year. So having someone else here, I will admit that cow genetics are not something that my brain retains, but her and my husband can talk cows and which heifer came out of which cow and who their grandmother was and all of those things for endless hours. So yeah, seeing my kids get interested in the farm is is really neat and seeing them have skills that I already know I don't have is is amazing too. I think, you know, there's a shift too in terms of caring for people when you go from those like daily tasks where they they can't do anything to now it's more of a supervisory role I'm now I feel like I'm now more in management (laughs) than uh, frontline work maybe we could say so yeah I guess just kind of being flexible and trying to give them jobs and tasks that are age appropriate but not pushing too hard either which I think is always a fine balance when when you're on a farm some people I will I can't speak for for others, but I know some people end up resenting the amount that they were asked or required to work, which, you know, like I said before, every family has their own has their own dynamics and, you know, economic realities, all that kind of stuff. But but we are trying to figure out a way to involve them to the amount of their interest and, and abilities, but also keep their options open. You know, if they don't want to work here, that's fine. They can 
find a job somewhere else. <laughs> so they're going to have to work somewhere. Yeah. So I guess it's just uh, ever evolving. I think as they continue to get older, I do see my my involvement in the farm increasing. And that's also part, I guess, of being multi-generational. My, my father-in-law has had some health difficulties the last few years. So he still is on calf feeding twice a day for a while. He had to take a, a break from that. And that's something he worked back up to. And he hopes he'll be able to be back in a tractor this spring. But if those things he's not able to do any more than, I mean, I see opportunities for, for myself to take some of those over, but I also want him to be as involved as he, as he can and he wants to be as well. Are you a woman who works in or has an interest in agriculture? Do you find yourself longing for a supportive community that understands the unique challenges you face in the industry? Will look no further than the AgVisor Pro Women in Agriculture community. AgVisor Pro is here to welcome you with open arms, whether you're a farmer, rancher, researcher, or advocate for agriculture. Their goal is to create a vibrant community where women can come together, ask questions, share experience, and exchange knowledge and resources. The team at AgVisor Pro recognizes the strength and resilience of women in agriculture. They understand that you deserve a platform to empower and inspire you to succeed in your career. By joining this community, you'll have the opportunity to build meaningful relationships with other women in the industry and together advocate for the future of agriculture. At AgVisor Pro, they firmly believe that by uniting as a collective, we can support each other's growth, learn from one another's experience, and ultimately cultivate a stronger and more inclusive agriculture industry. AgVisor Pro welcomes women of all ages, backgrounds, and skill level who share the same passion for agriculture. Whether you're a seasoned professional or just starting out, you'll find a place where your voice is heard and your journey is celebrated. So join the AgVisor Pro Women in Agriculture community today by heading to the link in today's show notes to download the AgVisor Pro app and experience the power of a supportive network that believes in your potential. Together, we can cultivate a brighter future for women in agriculture. So for the listeners of the Rural Women podcast, some of them might recognize your voice, recognize your name because was it it was last harvest break for me and I say break in quotations for podcasting. We aired one of the episodes of your podcast. So for the listeners who missed that episode and can go back and listen to it, but tell us about your podcast and the premise behind it, why you started it, all the good stuff. Sure. So I co-host the Barnyard Language Podcast. So as you might guess, the theme of my life these days is farming and parenting. So that's actually the the idea behind the, the podcast is to have a place for farm families, homesteaders, ranchers who are raising kids on the land to have a place to find resources and maybe a few laughs uh, to talk to other farmers about how they're raising the ki- their kids on the farm and then also parenting experts and you know professionals who have kind of expertise in the the things that parents need to know so that's that's what our podcast is the inspiration behind it so my co-host is american and i'm canadian so lots of people ask how we met so 
as you do in podcasting. This is how Caitlin and I met is through podcasting. So we met by being listeners of a parenting podcast that had a Facebook community like Caitlin's and, and Barnyard Language also has. And so it was a parenting podcast, but it didn't have any farming aspect to it. So there was a lot that was relevant because, I mean, there's lots of universal truths in in parenting but there's also a lot of things that when you're on a farm are just not quite the same as as people who live in the suburbs or in the city so we were in a, a facebook group and talking about parenting and then there was a offshoot there were multiple offshoots of that facebook group where you know stay-at-home parents could hang out or working parents or single parents all those types of things so there ended up being a farm and ranch spin-off and so my co-host Katie Palmer and I met in that group. And then I was going to Madison, Wisconsin for World Dairy Expo one year. And I put a post up in the group saying, is anyone going to be in Madison? And she's not too far from there. So she wasn't going to Dairy Expo, but she was not far away. So we met up for lunch at a cheese shop, as you do in Wisconsin, I guess. And Fast forward a few years, she was actually doing a mentorship program through the Women's Food and Agriculture Network, which is based in the Midwest. And so she was doing a mentorship program and was thinking about ways to connect farming families because there's a lot of us, but we're pretty spread out as farmers tend to be, right? There's And there's a lot of commonalities. And, you know, she felt that people were looking for community, but it was hard to figure out how to how to create that. So she was the one who actually came up with the idea for the podcast. And then she happened to ask me if I would consider co-hosting with her. So it's been a really interesting relationship and dynamic because we have that kind of international aspect. I mean, I feel like I hope this isn't too much of a a leap, but I feel like Canadians know a lot about the States and maybe our American friends don't know as much about us. So we're, we're always coming across things that we, we don't understand about each other, which is great. And she's a sheep and beef farmer, also on a multi-generational farm, which is kind of a neat commonality, but she and her husband both work full-time off farm, which I think, I don't, don't think I'm speaking out of turn here to say I think is probably more common in the States maybe even than it is here in Canada for a variety of reasons. But yeah, so they both have full-time off-farm jobs. They're farming and they have two little kids. And so we have a lot of a lot of things in common and a lot of things that are, are different between us, but it's a really neat dynamic. So that's kind of the story behind the podcast. And we've really just been enjoying talking to other farmers who have families and learning about all the, the things we love about raising kids on the farm and being honest about the, the things that are hard, right? Like the, the challenges that go along with this life, especially when you're when you're raising kids out here or wherever you are. Urban farmers count, count too. So yes, we're not all rural. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think what you had mentioned about sometimes our, our neighbors to the south don't know a lot about what happens up here. But, you know, one Canadian speaking to another, we're always happy to answer, you know, yeah, what the heck we're right. doing up here. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, I think, you know, throw a stone and you'll find a friendly Canadian. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I The thing that I love the most about your podcast, Arlene, is is the parts where you do talk about the hard things. Because I think a lot of times when you know, we are, we're, we're given media or we seek out answers or we seek out advice. You know, there is, 
there's the stigma of, you know, being the happy family, being the happy parent, all of these things. And we see like the black and white, we see the the man and the wife and the two children and all of these things. We see all of these things that a stereotypical family, quote, should look like. And then in agriculture, we look at what families do look like. And safe to say, a lot of the times it doesn't look like what, quote, the typical family would look like. What do you think are, through all of the interviews that you've done, whether that's with farmers on in the field or the experts in parenting, what do you think are some of the commonalities that you find in these struggles? What are people struggling with when it comes to parenting and raising a family on a farm? I don't think anyone will be surprised to know that, you know, it's it's the same as our suburban or urban counterparts, you know, finding balance and trying to to juggle it all, all that kind of stuff. But some of the some of the things I already mentioned, like how do you incorporate your kids into your lifestyle without pushing too far how to keep your kids safe because i mean we talk all the time about my electrician if he showed up if they showed up with their kids in tow or my my plumber or my you know even a, a salesperson if they showed up with their children i'd be like, i'd be kind of curious or maybe concerned about their ability to do their job and yet there is this expectation a lot of times in agriculture that we can do our jobs and our kids can just be along for the ride all the time. And the reality of that is, you know, is it's not always safe. You know, we're working in dangerous environments and, and there's, you know, like I said, everyone has, has their own dynamic and their own economic realities. But, but that, that picture of the perfect farm family usually is everybody's out working together and, Sometimes the perfect farm family is somebody's at home feeling resentful because they're not actually able to contribute on the farm because they're in the house with the kids. And maybe someone else is in the field or in the barn feeling resentful that they don't have any help, but they know that it can't get done if the kids are all there, right? So it's that, yeah, that balancing act that that we're trying to figure out. I guess one of the other struggles that people talk about is that, you know, the the guilt that I think goes along with with all parents, but I think sometimes it can be heightened on the farm when it comes to, you know, yes, we're providing them with a different lifestyle and opportunities and all that kind of stuff, but it maybe isn't the same as what their classmates or their friends are experiencing. You know, there are a lot of limitations in terms of whether we can get away, if you can go and watch your kid play baseball, or if you can, you know, get to the get to the meeting at the school before, you know, before or after the cows get milked, you know, the things that we can't do because of the the jobs that we're in. So yeah, a lot of it's the same as other parents and a lot of it is is different too. What do you think have been some of the biggest aha moments that you've gotten from the last two years now on the podcast? That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I think for us from the beginning, we wanted this to be a parenting podcast and not a motherhood podcast. Mm. And those are two different things. But in the parenting sphere, a lot of times that ends up just 
being moms. And spoiler alert, we're not the only ones <laughs> who are our parents. So I would say that being intentional about including dads, whether they are partnered with a woman or LGBTQ parents, you know, involving both parents in the discussions has been important for us. We had a recent episode with a couples counselor and we'd asked listeners for ideas, for questions for her. It was our Valentine's Day episode, so it was very romantic, as you might imagine. And the question that came up so much was about that resentment piece, but in in a couple. And that can often come up for parents in those early days of usually your first child, where you realize how much your life has changed and the vision of like I said, that that farming vision of the baby will just go along and they will adapt <laughs> to what you're doing and put them in a baby carrier and you can do everything you could do before. But the reality is that babies are sometimes adaptable and sometimes they're not. <laughs> and so I think it's been good to hear people talk about the different ways that they are making it work. And I guess for me, the kind of the aha moment is gradual in the sense that everyone's doing it differently and they're making it work in different ways, but it's not always that picture perfect. My kids are in the barn with me every single day and we all do chores and sing songs <laughs> as we go kind of thing, right? Like the, you know, childcare is part of everyone's plan and extended families are part of people's plans. And it's weird, but like childcare as important as it is, is almost a dirty word, it seems like sometimes for farmers, because it's like, well, you wouldn't like send your kid to daycare. And it's like, well, why not? <laughs> you're you're working a more than full-time job. If if you can if you have if you have access and the ability to pay for daycare, and we know that that's a huge issue in rural areas, but if that's an option for you, I mean, go for it. <laughs> that right. is a great plan. You know, I always I always make the the joke that I am clearly the best parent because I don't have children, and those always make the best parents because uh, they always have the greatest advice. Uh, yeah, and, I was a much better parent before I had kids for right. sure. <laughs> but you know, the aha moment for me and what you just said, like you know, parenting is not only motherhood. Like you said, it's completely different things, and as a as a childless adult looking at what farming looks like with children. And like you said, the picture perfect farm family looks like your kids are on the combine with you or they're in the milking barn or all of those things. To me, that looks terrifying. Like, how do you keep, I think, you know, keeping a child alive in a house sounds terrifying. How do you keep them alive around all of these other things? So I always have so much respect for parents who do that. But I also understand like the implications of all of these things and a point that you made before, you know, if you are a business professional in an office setting or you're a tradesperson or you're whatever, you're not bringing your kid to the office with you nine times out of 10, unless maybe you work for Google and they have daycare there. But it's it's just it's it's crazy to me. But again, the other aha moment that you said again, this is the aha moment for me. Everybody's going to do it differently, and everybody's going to do what works for them, and what works for you might not work for your neighbor, and that's okay. 
because they might be looking at you like your crazy pants for, like you said, doing whatever it is that you're doing. So as yeah. like, I feel as though as long as we are having good, healthy, safe lives in our farms and within our families, like that, that's the answer. That's how you do it. We just do it what works for us. Yeah, that's right. And we talk a lot about how farming and parenting are similar in that way, because there's no one right way to farm. Nobody does it exactly the same. Even if you're raising the same crop and you happen to live within a close geographic area, you're still not doing it exactly the same. And we do it differently over time. We do it differently based on our geography, based on economic forces, based on our workforce, based on our own mental health. So what parenting or farming can look like even at different stages of your own life are going to be different. And judging someone else on their parenting or their farming doesn't help them and it doesn't help you because they're not doing it at you. They're they're not doing it differently to show you up. They're just doing it differently because that's what works for them. So we all kind of have to stay in our own lane and be supportive of each other without, yeah, without taking that on. And I mean, some of that can be, oh, maybe they are doing it better than me. And that can kind of push you to to make changes if that's what you want. But you also shouldn't convince yourself that someone's, someone is necessarily thriving because, you know, it looks good on the internet either. Love that. Yeah, love those. <laughs> What is next for you and Katie in the Barnyard Language Podcast? Well, like you said, we're over, uh, we're, we've gotten through a, a full one season and we're well into season. So we're still having some incredible conversations with people, mostly in North America, but we do have a few conversations coming up with some guests from the UK. So, I mean, ideally we would love to just continue to talk to more farm parents and experts and and just continue to have conversations and build community we would love to be able to you know maybe meet some people in real life someday i don't know what that looks like but but at this point you know just kind of living in the digital world is working for us we we really are coming out of every interview just excited about the conversations that we're having. So, I mean, as long as it's still exciting and fun and that people are hopefully getting something out of it, a few aha moments or a nugget of wisdom or even just not feeling like they're alone, then that's what's what's driving us forward. Right. And we've done our jobs as podcasters when those things yeah. happen, right? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Right. For those who are listening who would like to listen to the Barnyard Language Podcast, where can they find it? So it's on all the podcasting places. Do you know where to find podcasts if you're listening to Caitlin? So you can find us on those spots. We're on some of the social medias more actively than others, but definitely Facebook and Instagram. And if you're a parent who's looking for a community of like-minded farmers or if you're farming curious or if you're kid curious even you can join us in the barnyard language private facebook group so we hang out there some of the time and yeah i guess you know just give us a listen and see what you think perfect that's amazing arlene thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and telling us all about the wonders of parenthood and farming, and all of the things. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Caitlin. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. 
The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to the Rural Woman Podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim & Co. Online. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. You can connect with us on social media at The Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. Send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. Let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story. Thank you.